The good news, Lord, is so good, and uh, how we marvel at the good news of Jesus and what he has done for us and how he has saved us and how he, he hangs on to us and he's never going to let us go. I, we love those songs, and, but they're rooted in your word that he pursues us, that you, you come after us. You seek and save those who are lost. You're, you're a kind, gentle shepherd who goes out looking for the lost sheep, and that's what we are in the picture. And so we thank you that Jesus came to be our Savior, and we trust him t- today. I, I pray you'd, you'd help us grow the faith that we do have. I pray for those who are right at the door and would say, you know what, I'm ready to step in. I just don't know how to do that. Lord, I pray you'd soften their hearts, even as I preach the word of God. May you soften our hearts to, so people can embrace Christ in personal faith, and so they can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and so they too can be saved. We pray that that would be what would happen in this hour in front of us. And then I pray, Lord, for great families of great faith with small amounts of faith and then add a little bit more and get a little more faith and then increase the faith, Lord. That was the prayer of the disciples and it's our prayer as well that we would walk in the faith of what we know and that we'd increase a little bit more in knowledge and in faith and then of of the virtues of following in faith. And may we be more like Christ and, and out of us would come the fruit of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, the fruit of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and patience and goodness, all of those traits, because we want them, we know they're good for our own souls, we know they're good for the people around us, and we know they're good because they represent Christ so well. It's the fruit of who you are in us. Give us that hope, I pray, and then teach us now through your word. May I not be the real teacher. May your Holy Spirit be the divine teacher to our hearts today as we open your word. We pray in Christ's name. And everybody would say, amen? Amen. 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 We're in a series that's called Messy. Anybody know what that's like? Anybody walked into your kids' rooms and said, is this room carpet or hardwood? I I don't know which. Just me. Okay. Uh, Anybody uh, gone into a kitchen and say, I I can't find the sink? Okay, your house? Okay, I have a couple of honest people. Remember, we're in church. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is where we're going to go, and the message today deals with messy relationships. I want you to look at the piece of art. Isn't this a great piece? It's a great piece of work. I know some people, I have some friends who are a piece of work. (laughs) Don't you? Yeah. And this is the crazy thing about messiness. When it comes to messiness, this is so entangled, the mess, that you can't, you say, well, I, I have messy relationships or entangled relationships, and I'd like to just pull one thing out and fix it, but you can't pull one thing out and fix it, because when you pull one thing out, other stuff's going to cave in, because these are relying on each other. They're entangled with each other. Have you ever had that happen, where your relationships are so entangled, you can't just untangle one knot. You can't just untangle one thing about the relationship because it's so entangled to the other parts. That's what this series is all about. And I owe it to the guys who put that piece, that's a great piece of work. Today I want to talk with you just for a few minutes about messy relationships, because it is never simple, it's never what you think it's going to be, and it never comes out quite like you'd hope it would. 1 Corinthians verse, chapter 1, we're going to pick it up at verse 10. We looked at the first nine verses last week. If you didn't get those, you can, you can hop online and catch that message online. Last week we began this series talking about just a messy life and it is a messy life and when you come to Christ you think well when I come to Christ all my messes will be straightened up. No, he just gets you ready for heaven. He's taking your mess to heaven and going to clean it along the way. But your life is still messy. You think well I'll go to church because those people aren't messy. Oh yes they are. Oh yes we are. Yes. 
Yes. Oh, to live with saints above, that will be glory. Oh, to live with saints below, that's another story. Okay? That's not original with me. But when you consider Christians, brothers and sisters, we have higher expectations. Like their, their life shouldn't be messy, but theirs is messy, just different messy than yours. So even though we have tough things to say, and Paul has a lot of tough things to say, what he does is he begins by saying, verses 1 and 9, I thank God for you, you're a brother, sister in Christ. I especially appreciate the relationship. And now he digs into the hard stuff, and he begins with verse one, verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you. Wow. He goes right at it. You are divisive, he says. But you be perfectly united in mind and in thought. Verse 11. My brothers and sisters, some in Chloe's house, Chloe was a member of the church. See, uh, some in, people in Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. So not only is there division, verse 10, verse 11, quarrels, they're fighting. They go to church and fight. I went to a Wednesday night fight once and a hockey game broke out. <laughs> I'm here all week. That should not be. He says, what, and he says, here's how it looks. Verse 12, this is what I mean. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Paul. So Paul was another one of the teachers. Another one says, ah, I like Cephas. It's a different one yet. Another one says, oh, well, I follow Christ. Oh, his nose is really in the air. Stop at verse 12. Here's the opening issue. Paul has all kinds of issues he's going to address with them. Worship, morality, marriage, um, marriage partners, um, and re resurrection, the use and abuse of spiritual gifts. But he begins with this big one, and it's the issue of division. Divisiveness will kill a church. That's why he's going to spend a fourth of this book talking about divisiveness. He goes from chapters 1 to 2 to 3 to 4 to kind of untangle bits of what division looks like and how pitifully bad it is because these schisms and that's the ancient words the ancient greek word schisms these cuts these deeply divisive things they will break down the body faster than anything else it's like if you're in it's as if you are building a fire and if you separate those logs in the fire pit the fire will go out so that happens in a church if you allow division to to just prevail i'm looking at five things that are going to be a price tag if you allow division to prevail one is this it contaminates the integrity of the ministry because you wonder if 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 this is not trustworthy what can be trustworthy if it's not trustworthy there it might not be trustworthy over there that's why being above reproach is number one it just has to be number two the price of divisions in the body of christ is that it hurts the body as a whole countless people have been hurt by divisiveness in the body of christ over hundreds of years the body of believers is often pictured as a body. It's, it's like cutting yourself. It doesn't work together. If it doesn't work together, it doesn't work. So it hurts the body as a whole. But thirdly, it, re, it repels, get that, it repels the weaker Christian because they're turned off by the inconsistency, the disloyalty. And it makes it a far less safe place for them to unpack their own emotions, their own stuff, their own, their own history, their own faith or doubt of faith because they're not sure who they can be open with. So it repels the weaker Christian, but it offers skepticism to the non-believer because he says to himself, I told you they were a bunch of phonies. I knew they couldn't get along. I knew that this would happen. And so it actually promotes a skepticism among the pre-Christian, the unbeliever. And it stimulates, chapter 4, he says, it's about arrogance. It's really about pride. Because you think you're better. You, you say, well, I follow Cephas. Well, I follow Paul. 
And then the Pharisee walks in and goes, well, I follow someone better than all those. I follow Jesus. See, they're making themselves look better than one better than the other. It's one-upmanship. So the obvious conclusion is that divisiveness is just not worth it. It's not. The Apostle Paul sits on this theme. Now, there are 16 chapters in the book. He'll spend four chapters on this one issue. And he has 10 things to say. This is a big one, folks. And we're in 1 Corinthians today, but let me tell you, the issue of unity and division is all throughout the Bible. Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How good and pleasant it is. Jesus put it this way when he prayed John 17, the high, what's called the high priestly prayer. He says, I want believers to be one under the Father. Why? So that the world will believe the message that I'm the Savior. And that only will happen if they see unity in the body. Paul writes it to the church in Galatia, not just the church in Corinth, but the church in Galatia. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. We read it just a little bit earlier. But if you bite and devour one another, you watch out, you'll destroy each other. Ephesians, make every effort. That's why he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. So some things you just go, this is not a fight worth fighting about. I, give it up. It's not worth, it's not, there's no grand trophy to bring home from winning that fight. Skip down, if you're in chapter 1, turn the page to chapter 2. Verse 1, and so it is with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom. I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved nothing, get that, to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, I'm, I'm only talking about Jesus and nothing else. He says, I came to you in weakness, in fear, and trembling. Why? Because I'm carrying the name of Jesus. People talk to me all the time, like, how can you stand in front of people and preach? Don't you have the fear of the crowd? I do. I have the fear of the crowd. Some guys can't eat breakfast, and some guys can't eat lunch. Some guys get sick. You know what I get scared about most? I, I am preaching. I'm delivering the message that was handed down from the fathers. This is the word of God. So I'm preaching not to you, but I'm delivering before God the message. Get this. He's saying that same thing. I resolved to know nothing except Jesus crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and trembling. Why? Because we stand before a holy God to deliver the good news. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. He's saying, you know, someone else could do this better than I can, I'm sure. By the way, Paul was an attorney. He was a great, articulate guy. But he's saying, someone else may be better with the words, but it's a demonstration of God's power, his spirit's power, so that your faith will rest not in human wisdom. That's not where we want your faith to rest. We want it to rest on God's power. End of verse 4. You see, the dividing line, he'll actually say, it will look like foolishness when I preach. It'll look like foolishness if you don't get it down this is all about the cross. So, so for some people, the central dividing line, the cross, for some people, they'll view it as a stumbling block. And that's the way most of the Jews, that's the way most of the religious community sees the cross even today. Try to explain it away or say it's part of an ancient custom. Or they just don't like that Jesus did what he did. And so some will stumble over the cross. Other people don't stumble. They'll just laugh at it. They view the, the foolishness of preaching they viewed the, the preachers as quacks or as crazy people, believing that it's just only an idiot would believe that sort of a thing. But there will be some who will hear the preaching and will turn to the cross and they will believe. And that's what it's all about, you see. And that may be you, where you hear the preaching of the good news, just what I gave a few moments ago, and you may say, you know what, that's for me. 
and not just for my head and not just for my kids. I need it all the way through my whole life. And so, you see, understand this. Preachers will vary and the styles will vary and they'll be different. Don't make it about people or styles or differences in gifting or voice or timbre. In fact, I, I like to hear a good orator speak. I like a good voice. I, I don't have that voice. That's okay. God didn't give me that voice. But I, I like certain styles of preaching. You're allowed to have a preference to certain styles. That's all right. But don't make it about the style. Make it about the content. Make it about the good news of Jesus. So we, and, and we live to see those people who turn to the cross of Christ, not to the preacher, but to the cross of Christ, because that's what's so vitally important. Let me tell you a little something that happened around here a few years ago. We subscribe, SBC subscribes to a membership that's in the sky, it's a satellite, and allows small groups to beam in and pick up small group notes and some lectures and some uh, table talks and gets us discussion starters and some Bible teaching. And there's nationally known, really internationally known Bible teachers, and we subscribe to a service that allows our small group leaders to have access to that. Now, not all of them use it. They, some want to use their own notes. Some people um, use the notes that we produce off of the Sunday messages, which is fine too. Or some of them use this online service. And what happened was, there was one group that absolutely, they found a, a Bible teacher they found online that we had accessed for them. We actually gave them the key to this to get in, and they, loved, they fell in love with that preacher. I mean, they just loved that Bible teacher. They liked his hair. They liked his clothing. They liked his voice. They liked his teaching. They liked the lights on the stage. They liked the closing music, the opening video. They just liked everything. So then they became you know, kind of geekishly towards them. And that's okay. It was good because the guy's a good Bible teacher. Not a problem. The problem came when we ran out of material because the guy only has so much out there. And they're going, what are we going to do? You know, we're out of the material. And I said, fall in love with someone else. Just, there's, there's lots of others out there. And... And they go, oh, but we just love this. And if I give you the name, you would, some of you would know it and some of you wouldn't. And others of you would run off to fall in love with them. I don't care. It's all right. Because the guy preaches the good news of Jesus. So I'm, I'm good with it. In fact, we recommended these people. So there's, there's nothing wrong with the Bible teaching, the content. Although there is something creepy about falling in love with a preacher. I just got to tell you, that's creepy. But anyway. So I told them, get another... Guy and, and, and so the, they, and the, the small group leaders, so they're not going to like it, I can tell you that right now. I said, give them a week, and then after two weeks, they'll fall in love with it. And if they don't, then move to another one. And if they don't like the one, just say, well, Dave thought you might like this one, but I know better. You're going to like this one. So then it gets you a little more time to buy into the next radio teacher uh, video. So they did. And they, they, you know what they did? It, fine. They went on and fell in love with the new guy, and it's all good. Now, that same advice I gave to them happened to me recently. I was uh, working in the office, had to run some errands. It was midday. I hop in the car, um, went to make some, meet some appointments. Had to travel for about half an hour, so I kicked the radio on. I kick on Christian radio. I don't want to tell you what time and what station, because you'll look it up, because there was a radio preacher on there that I don't like. But it was what was on. And so I listened. And I don't like him, and I can't even tell you why. Is it his voice? Is it his, is it his diction? I, is it that he whines too much? Anybody know what a whining preacher is? <laughs> Among preachers, we call it ain't it awful preaching. He, he, got, he talks about how bad society is, but he never gives me the remedy. 
You ever heard, you ever heard preachers like that? Ain't it, we call it ain't an awful preacher. Oh, the world's going to hell. You know? But okay, God bless you. Have a good week. Oh, I'm so depressed. <laughs> I don't want to listen to you anymore. Why do I feel like cutting myself? Yeah. So I just, there's certain preachers I don't like to listen to. And so I'm, I'm driving, but this is the one that's on. And I don't know if I was too lazy or distracted or what, but I didn't turn it off and I didn't turn it to another station. I just left it on. You know what happened? I was taught the word of God and I was blessed by a guy I don't even like. Doesn't that tick you off? I mean, the guy taught me the word, and you, it wouldn't be so bad. He taught me the word of God in a passage I had taught years ago. I had gone, and I don't want to tell you the passage, because I know some of you are, you're, you're kind of Googling it right now. Who was it? Life of David? Story of James? No, I'm not telling you. Because I don't want you to, to not like that guy either, because to my shame, it wasn't about the guy. It's about the gospel. Do you get this? And when I, uh, when I get old and die, and uh, 100 years from now, you're in a nursing home, and you pull out Bible notes, you go, I remember that old guy. And you look at those notes. I want you to remember Jesus in the notes, not Dave. Okay? Because Dave can't get you to heaven. I can't get you to first base or second base, much less to home. But the cross can do that. You see the difference? All right. So it happens in small groups. It happens. It ha- the very advice I gave to them was advice I had to. And, and by the way, you can have, you're allowed to have preferences. You, I, uh, some of you are in love with a, a, you know, Scottish preachers. They just sound more spiritual, don't they? Oh, yes. They sound more educated. They could be giving bowling scores or, or, or major baseball league uh, scores, you know, ninth at the bottom of the night. It just sounds more spiritual, doesn't it? Yeah. It, some of you are in love with a, a person who repeats themselves over and over. And others of you say, it's not a sermon that there are not lots of double negatives. I just love double negatives. Double negatives drive me crazy. I, and yet, I love some preachers that just preach in double negatives. If I did that, I would sound stupid. Stupider. Stupid, stupidest. But it's not about the style, the voice, the body language. It's about the content. or It's about the gospel itself. And, and, and so what I'm encouraging you to do is, is, is go outside your comfort zone and appreciate somebody or something that you might not otherwise because that's what, that's what heaven will be like. And, and whatever you do, don't be divisive about the people around you who are hearing the word of God. Keep the path clear. Um, because just be glad they're hearing the word. So even if you get in someone else's car and they're listening to so-and-so and they love them, hey, great, it's the Bible. Get happy about that. You say, well, I don't like him. He's a... No, let, that's divisive. Let it go. Keep the path clear because the divisiveness will get in the way. You know that we have uh, four young adult daughters and a young adult son. One and I are blessed to have uh, some great kids. All of them are great. Not some of them. <laughs> Okay. One daughter of ours, young adult daughter, was over, she was goo-goo for Cocoa Puffs or something, over a nationally recognized preacher who pastors a church. And, uh, oh my gosh, um, he is hip, he is happening, he's got the clothes, he shaves his head and then it gets longer. I, if I did that, I would look bad. It would just not, it would not go well. His shoes, 
He's got like $400 jeans with $800 tennies. In, he, but he's a great preacher. He's a great preacher. And, and so I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm jealous. Okay? And so, yeah, pray for me. So my, my daughter gets in the car and with her friends. They have to drive. They have to get a hotel. They're, they're driving. They're on a trip. They're on a weekend road trip to hear this guy. And they go. And um, they have to wait in line to get into the church. Here, you can come in any time. You can come in first song, second song, third song. No. Go to that church. You have to be there an hour early. Next week, we're putting ropes up. No one allowed in, you know. We need ID. We're thinking we can restrict this. Maybe people show up on time. But no, this, this guy, they show up an hour early. And... And she went with her friends. She has a bunch of um, young adult girlfriends. They're just like, yeah, you know, they, yeah, you know. And they, they went and had a great worship experience. You know what? I, I'm glad. It wasn't an immoral, godless concert or it was nasty, dirty, something else that all that culture is going to give them. And if they're going to be goo-goo over something, it's a preacher of the gospel. Do you get this? I am... I am almost ready to cry to tell you how grateful I am that my daughter would leave town to go somewhere else to go to church yeah one more funny thing about this I know you think how much dumber and funnier can it get it can get a little they got there and there's like thousands of people there and she comes back and she goes dad we saw people there from SPC It's two states away, people. I am, and, and you know what, here's the deal. If you had a son or daughter who wasn't attending church and they decided to go to a church that doesn't look like the church you attend or the church you're part of or it doesn't sound like your preacher, or, you know, it doesn't matter because it's about the gospel. You get this? And that's what we're unified behind. Nothing else matters. That's why Paul said, I'm glad I didn't even baptize most of you. And baptism's a commandment. You get this. This baptism is important. And he's saying, you even make baptism divisive. I'm glad I didn't baptize most of you. I did, and he's trying to think, who did I baptize? I'm glad it wasn't many, because even that you would begin to fight over. Chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Chapter 3, verse 1. I gave you milk, not solid food. Why? Because you weren't ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready for it. Why? Because you're worldly, verse 3. Because there's jealousy quarreling among you. Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? One says, one says I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Paulus. Are you not mere human? Who, who are these people? Paul says, after all, what is Apollos? Verse 5, what is Paul? They're only servants. You get that? I'm going to give you three takeaways. There, gonna, then we're gonna we're gonna pray. The first takeaway is resist the urge for schisms. Just re- fight it, fight it, fight it. Your opinions, your perspectives, don't hold on to them too tightly. Just don't. It's not worth it. Secondly, make the Lord central, not the servants, not your opinions, not fill in the blank. Make the Lord central. It's not about you, it's about Jesus. If you can overlook the, the offense for the sake of the gospel, then do it. 
If you can let it go, by all means, do it. Divisions are not going to get you what you want anyway. You could win that little battle, but you still lose the war because you've deflated the troops. Okay, I, I hope you get this. So make it central that you, you are following the Lord. And then thirdly, stop the comparison game. Instead, what I find myself doing is, is, is showing appreciation. That guy's different. And you know what? Some people are going to go to Christ that may not go to, to church any other way. Um, when someone starts divisions, you have to start the appreciation, the counter, almost a counterattack on it. You just have to show value because you have to applaud what God is doing in that corner of the world, in that corner of the kingdom, for the glory of God, because you have to know that we're a band of brothers and sisters, but we, we make it to heaven together. We go together. We have a higher calling, a greater good than just getting our own way. It is the way of Jesus. And when he wins, we all win. And when, when there's a schism out there, then we lose sight, we get defensive, we distrust, we go underground, we lose a lot of energy, we certainly lose momentum. Instead, we have to believe the best. That's what love does. We have to believe the best, hope the best. We have to bring out the best. And when someone falters, you have to cover them. Because why? Because we're headed to heaven, folks. We're headed to heaven. Think of it, just, I, I'm done with the Bible, so just, I just I, one word picture and then we're going to go. Think of yourself as on a bus, and you're headed to heaven on the bus. And while you're on the bus, you could argue over the seats. How stupid. You could argue over how slow the Wi-Fi is. But you're going to heaven. And 20 years ago, you didn't even know what Wi-Fi was. You could argue over, I wanted an aisle, or I wanted a window, or I wanted, I wanted my seat to come down, or the guy in front of me tilts it back. How many of you hate that when the guy in front of you tilts back? <laughs> we should bolt. I'm going to get, when, if I ever own an airline, which will never happen, I'm going to bolt the seats where they are. So no one, because I feel like I need to wash and do set their hair or something when they, they come back that far. <laughs> Don't you? Just telling you. Some of you are putting down notes. I'll never sit in front of Dave. But you understand this, you are on a bus headed to heaven with a lot of other believers. You can argue about the view or the window or the aisle or the air conditioning or the, the Wi-Fi. Or, or, or you could say, why is this bus taking so long? But the answer is really, well, no, give this up. We're going to heaven. And we're, we're going to heaven together. And when we get off the bus, we're getting off the bus with people going to heaven. This is a miracle. And if you can't get happy about that, then maybe you don't want to be on the bus. And that's not a good answer. And so I leave you with, get happy on the bus. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to bow in prayer, and uh, let's stand together and pray. Praise team, would you come? Our prayer, Lord, is uh, those, the words of the psalmist. How good, how pleasant it is when God's people to live together in unity. God, we're headed to heaven. So may we make every effort to keep the unity of the, of the body in the bonds of peace. May we make every effort to be one body together. We pray this to the glory of your son so people will know and be able to trust 
and come into the family. And so people will be encouraged and they'll be restored joy because we're together. We're one at this. I pray this in the name of the one who rose. We can't believe it. He rose from the dead. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our coming King. In his name we pray it and the church was shouted. Amen.